lab, just so you know. Good morning, Covenant Fellowship. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Please make your way to a seat. Stand up, sing. We're going to prepare our hearts for the message this morning. I'm here to meet with you. Come and meet with me. I'm here to find you. Reveal yourself to me as I wait. You make me strong as I long. Draw me to your arms as I stand and sing your praise. You come, you come, and you fill this place. Won't you come, won't you come and fill this place? here to meet with you. Come and meet with me. I'm here to find you. Reveal yourself to me as I wait. You make me strong as I long. Draw me to your arms as I stand. And sing your praise. You come, you come, and you fill this place. Won't you come, won't you come, and fill this place? I'm here to meet with you. Come and meet with me. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Ham's back with us. Oh, look at that, man. We got our we got our mature section right there in the middle of that row right there. Kobe and Cam, trying to keep everybody in line in front of you and behind you? No. <laughs> we uh, Great to see everybody. Uh, where's, uh, oh, we'll get to her in a second. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, I don't know if we're able to get it on the screen. I know Lori and Sam were passing out a flyer, ladies. Uh, about a, uh, a Valentine uh, get-together in the sense of uh, with a great purpose. It's going to be an outreach to our ladies and uh, maybe like shut-ins and those in need. And going to be get-together, putting together packages, care packages for them and writing letters of encouragement. So if you didn't, make sure you get one of those letters. Uh, there you go, right there. There it is, Friday the 10th. And, well, I can't read it back there. Uh, the uh, 23rd, join us, uh, love, uh, love Thy Neighbor. So, starts at 6 p.m., bring finger foods and goodies. Uh, I may make it now that I read that. Uh, and we're going to be making uh, love baskets for shut-ins in the homeless ministry. So, uh, be a part of that if you can. If you have any questions, get with Lori. Uh, if you need to with Sam, they'll answer your questions. But mark that on your calendar. Be you know, involved in that in every way you can. Then we have, uh, at the end of this month, we have Lord's Supper coming up. So always a great time. So join us for that. And then as we do, immediately following the Lord's Supper, we'll have our dinner on the grounds type thing, fellowship dinner. 
uh, potluck type thing. So stay behind, join us for that as we continue to fellowship and rejoice over the Lord's Supper. I want to announce, it's not a big announcement, that we'll have more information coming in the next two weeks. I've uh, been talking with Brother Brad. I'm going to I'm gonna take us in a different direction on Wednesday night. We have been very traditional, nothing wrong with that. Great teaching on Wednesday night. The Lord's really put it on my heart. Uh, last Sunday, let me go back this way. Last Sunday's message was very encouraging to me. We had some great response. Brother Brad got some response. Uh, that does a pastor's heart good when you see a response and not just, oh, that was good or great message or I enjoyed that. We appreciate that. You know, our lab, you know the labor goes into it. Uh, what we look for, the measure we look for is the result of the message, not just a, 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 you know, a comp, you know, complimentary statement about the message. Well, as a week transpired, uh, I got several outreach, Brother Brad did as well, in response to the message. So it's very encouraging to walk in that. Well, in light of that, starting in February, we are going to have a different format on Wednesday. We're still going to do our get-togethers as we do on Wednesday and maybe step it up a little bit to where uh, it's a little bit more enjoyable. But we're not going to be just in here in a traditional, just another semi-sermon you know, or Bible study. We are going to break up in, uh, in, in Bible study groups for us, men and women. Now, some of this is my heartbeat for the men, and, and we're, we're way behind, men. I'm going to be honest with you. We're way behind when it comes to the church, our leadership in the church, stepping up as men as we're called to spiritually. So this is going to be an opportunity for our men uh, to get more serious, more accountable, as leaders within, you know, themselves, their families, within the church body itself. Ladies, uh, Sam and I have worked together, more so her, but the, the, the book, the, the direction we're going through, it's an eight-week series or not six-week series. We may stretch it to eight, but we'll let you know the details. It is very poignant. Uh, rest assured, ladies, it's not a get-together and and cry fest about nothing against women, but, you know, I want to be a better woman. No, it's how to be more Christ-like as a woman. And so both of these formats are going to drive our men and our women back to the image of Christ and his likeness. And then we'll do that for probably an eight-week series. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back together, and we'll do that. So I want you to be praying about this. I know as soon as I said that, some of you, oh, I don't want to do a men's and ladies Bible study. I just want to come... Just pray about it. Be open-minded. Invest in something bigger than yourself. Amen? We got many a days in the week that we can invest in ourselves, what we want to do. This is going to be very, I think, beneficial. Uh, it, just the heart of the church, the spirit of the church. I think it's going to bring a depth of unity, you know, through the, the men's ministry, through the ladies' ministry. Uh, it's going to be independent. It's not going to be something you come back together as a couple and talk about. It's going to be different directions in which the series and the lessons go. But it'll still be enough to talk about, you know, as far as encouraging one another and holding each other accountable uh, within the body of Christ. So we'll have more details on the next two weeks to follow, and we're looking to start that on Wednesday, uh, on February the 1st, first Wednesday of February. So please be in prayer about that preparing your heart, be ready to be involved in it, and participate in every way. Amen? And I think that's it. Hattie, come here, ma'am.
Come on, don't just stare at me like a goat looking at a new gate. What's this, a robot walk? What's tomorrow besides Monday? Your birthday? How are you going to be, 20? You don't know? 27? Oh, just, oh, 8, not 28. <laughs> Got you confused on it. Well, we're going to get these sweet folks back. They're going to play the guitar, and we're going to sing happy birthday to you. Amen? All right. Well, who else? Who else? Coming up? Oh, well, come on, Toby. Come on, buddy. Hurry. I'm not even going to ask you how old you're going to be. Anybody else we're missing? Anybody want to have a birthday tomorrow? <laughs> All the kids All right, raise their We're going to sing happy birthday to Hattie and to Toby. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Uh, as our men come forward, uh, just another announcement. Please be in prayer for Lindy, uh, Lindy, Linda Scioli. Uh, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Earl fell, fell off the ladder. Well, they were planning on being here this morning. Yesterday, Earl called me. Linda started feeling real bad, took her in. She's got a blood clot in her leg, and so she's going to have surgery tomorrow morning. So be in prayer for Linda Scioli. Maybe reach out to her and encourage her and uh, be a part of that. So, uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the uh, lovely day today, uh, the weather. Lord, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to know the words you are speaking through Todd. We ask that you bless this message, bless the offering, the hands that give, and the hearts that receive. Amen. If you'll stand with us, we're going to continue in worship. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not it was for me, he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word with last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and 
and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my rapture soul can only sing on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden self on liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Forever echo 
before the throne of grace. Majesty before my eyes. I'll let it take my breath away. All glory and honor, dominion and power to you. A million angels fall, face down on the floor, all to echo holy. much depth to that and I mean sermons upon sermons of truth and it's just so many ways to describe it and maybe I don't describe it right here off the top of my head but you're just talking the, the essence of who Christ is and, and what it calls us to there's so many things in life that draw our attention so many things in life that we esteem towards or put on pedestals or long after or search for but Christ is holy nothing else is holy nothing else is due our reverence our submission our all our humility towards it's really what should should drive us to the to our knees when we comprehend the holiness of the Lord. So this morning as we do our prayer time, we just want to come and come to the altar, clear our hearts, clear our minds, set this world behind us, and get it out of here, get it outside, cleanse your heart, get it ready for the Word of God. And it comes a great time just to, to put yourself in the presence of God in His holiness and uh, again, ultimately prepare your heart for His Word. Amen. So at this time, let's come to the altar.
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus cause your name is your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family I'll speak the holy name Jesus Shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my
A lot of y'all will remember, I, I got a text and looked up here's ear, but Adam's with us this morning. And uh, if y'all remember Adam, to refresh your memory, this would be one of Donna Retrovado's one or two grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, but no, we're honored to have him with us. So uh, he stopped by to say hi. So make sure you say hi to him. And uh, he loves the Lord. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right, we're going, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3 here shortly. It's going to be our key verse here in a moment. We'll stand in reverence and read it to the Lord. Or, But uh, when it comes to life, the, the, you know, the end result of any endeavor in our life will be greatly determined by our commitment to it. Amen? I mean, that's the simplest thing. I mean, <laughs> go out to clean your garage. It's going to end up the end endeavor is going to be to the level of commitment of how clean you want it. You can't avoid that. There's actually a very interesting word called telos, T-E-L-O-S. Uh, I was reading about it earlier this week. It's, it's a Greek word, and what we render from it in the English, it means uh, like a, uh, the end means, purpose, the outcome. Well, now the Greeks use it as with many of their words, and we get cheated in the English language when it comes to the depths of the meaning of words. Well, they use it to capture a phrase or a statement in the Greek. And so I'm going to read it. This is how the Greeks would apply it in their lives. It's a supreme end of a man's endeavor. The supreme end of a man's endeavor. Now that could be seasons in life. And of course, you can make a spiritual application to ultimately once, you know, full life when it comes to an end. It's a supreme end to an endeavor, to the outcome of an endeavor. So as I was getting into this or putting this together this week, I, I probably mistitled this, How Much Is Your Faith Worth? Probably not a fair description. It's probably going to fall more under, while we do need to define in our walk what our faith is to us. What's it worth? But to, get to, you know, to garner that and have an appreciation for, for that or to define it, it's probably going to have to have the right perspective. You're probably going to have, uh, you, you will need an eternal perspective to get that definition. So, with that in mind, do we not desire all the Father has for us? Yeah, of course we do. We want everything this Word promises us to the fullest. But the question is, does the Father get all of us? We want all of Him, but does He get all of us? And, of course, answer, quick answer to that is no. We, we touched on this briefly or really talked about it, a little bit of depth at Thursday night Bible study. And we talked about it as believers, we should would strive. It's important that we strive for consistency in our life, that, that we try to avoid the wavering, the, the, the pitfalls, the, the highs and the lows of our spiritual. We need to be, you know, steadfast, as it tells us, in 1 Corinthians, uh, was it 1558? Be steadfast, unmoving, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So this is a consistency we need. But as we know in our culture as a whole, we lack consistency, do we not? We talked about what was yesterday won't be tomorrow. Things change by the moment. But yet when it comes to our faith, as we deal with a God, is he not the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? So, yeah, so when we have inconsistency in our life, right off the bat it doesn't line up to God's will you know we is this uh, in Titus chapter 2 we talked about Thursday night 
verses 7 and 8. It calls us to things uh, such as good works, our integrity, our character, that our words that Titus calls us out to, that we need to be consistent in our walk, in our pursuit towards Christ. And uh, so, you know, as an illustration, we talked about, we, we, Brother Brad and I will illustrate many times, you know, three things that we can easily be called to, Christ calls us to, you know, the, the, the uh, what, my mind went blank, first Sunday of the week, first time in the morning, and the first 10% of our fruits of our tithes to God. Now, when you think of consistency in our Christian walk, pretty interesting com- comment. The only variable you should have in your life should be the value of your 10% then. Amen? Make sense? You're making this? Be consistent. Be faithful with your 10%. You make more? Be consistent and faithful. If it changes again, doesn't matter. So the only variable we should have would be the sum of our 10%. The point being, our consistency shouldn't waver in any other way. So this morning, we're going to put some meat to that. Because it said the secret to success is what you never give up. The secret to success is what you never give up. Meaning, if you try and fail, try again. And if you fail again, just fail better the next time, if that makes sense. Kind of contradiction, but fail better. But don't give up. Because when we start trying, then failure is assured and success is forfeited. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be steadfast. Be consistent. Never give up. Never look down. Don't get trapped in looking back. Always look forward in where the Lord's taking you, what the Lord has for you. Don't get entrapped by other other distractions. Hold on to commitment, perseverance, steadfastness. Now, when we hear such words in our Christian faith, you know, commitment, perseverance, steadfast, overcome, persevere, all these things. They, they, a lot of times they come as an adjective illustrating pain, hardship, and suffering. But we can see in the scriptures through Paul, I argue with you that it actually tells us something completely different. I say it tells us about joy, strength, hope, and rejoicing. And that's what we're going to see this morning from Joe, uh, from Paul. If we want to see we want to ever see Christian joy in a biblical sense, the way it resides in the Bible, will or I will have to do ministry in the shadow of those that suffered before me for the gospel. Let me read that again. If I want to see Christian joy the way the Bible sees it, describes it, I will have to do ministry in the shadows of those who suffered in the sake of the gospel before me. Have you ever heard the term outside looking in? I think we we all have. We catch ourselves, put it this way. If you're a small business owner, who's more committed, you or the 10 employees you have? You. Well, it's obvious why. Well, you have more skin in the game, do you not? You see the bigger picture. You have a a better purpose and clarity of what you're trying to do. Anything in life, when we're in the outside looking in, I don't care what degree of measure of commitment, and, 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 you know, purpose in that we say we have, if we're on the outside looking in, it's limited. It only goes so far. We're not going to sacrifice to the degree in this illustration of a small business owner. So we got to go as Christians. We can't be on the outside of looking in to what all God has for us. 
No, we need to immerse ourselves in what God has for us. The more we do that, the more we'll see a depth and gain a better understanding of the promises God has for us. The joy, the strength, the peace, the hope that comes with it. You know, I, I think of, y'all know me and my illustrations and get back to athletics. But when you see an athlete finally come to a point that they retire, and you see this grown man that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the league, they can't get their speech out. They're, they're just, tears are flowing. It's so hard for them to retire. Well, you talk to them later on, what they're missing, they're not missing the pain. They're not missing the suffering. They're not missing the conditioning. They're not missing the sacrifice. All these things that go in for them to succeed, that's not what they're missing. What they're weeping over, what they know they're going to miss, is what they experience being on the inside. That, that teamwork, that camaraderie, that common goal, that end result, the success that came by all those other things that we see on the outside looking in. To say, oh, I, man, I bet you it's great winning a Super Bowl. We have no idea what it means in the secular sense of winning a Super Bowl. We're, we're, we're not... We're not on the team. We're watching the team. So when it comes to the attributes of, of Christ in our life and experiencing those, the joy, the peace, the hope, the strength, if we're on the outside looking in, we're never garnering and capturing the fullness of what Christ has for us. Amen? Well, that's already halfway through the message because it's short this morning. So let's uh, pray. We'll read our verse. And then we'll add a little bit more meat to this. Father, thank you for this morning. I ask that you prepare every heart for the truth. I ask that you anoint every word that's spoken from this pulpit. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you would, stand with me. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3. This dealing with Paul's uh, plea for Christ's likeness concerning uh, you know, uh, Jesus or like-mindedness concerning Jesus. So we're just going to read one verse here. So if you would, read aloud with me. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Amen. Thank you. Don't know if you're familiar with a missionary. Uh, goes back, or if I remember right, I think around early eight, or yeah, maybe in the late, no, it's probably the early 1800s, I think, looking it up. David Livingston. Anybody heard the name David Livingston? Uh, he was a missionary. He was actually a professor. He taught at Cambridge University in England. And uh, he, his degree, his field, was doing research, and he traveled a lot. Well, when he went to Africa, and he saw the plight of the African nation, and being godless, he, he got a call into the missionary field. So he left Cambridge University. And I was looking at his speech, the last speech he gave for he left. Very interesting, very encouraging. And uh, so he left this. He says, leaving the benefits of England behind. So I'm going to read this to you. And uh, to put it in, I want you to hear, it all comes down to his final statement, which will put uh, a lot of emphasis on our truth this morning. Where are you at? Okay, here it is. So this is from David Livingston. For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of sacrifice I've made in the spending of so much of my life in Africa. 
it's that it's it's that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward in healthy activity the consciousness of doing good the peace of mind and a bright hope of a glorious destiny thereafter away with the word in such a view and with such a thought it is emphatically no sacrifice say rather it is a privilege anxiety sickness suffering or danger now and then with the foregoing of the common conveniences of charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink but let this and only this be a moment of reflection and know that this was never a sacrifice but my joy so here's a man that walked away from his calling his education his training and based on what he experienced when he went from the outside looking in when he immersed himself into the condition of the nation of Africa and the hearts of the people there the call of God came upon his life so strong without hesitation he he launched himself into the mission field and it took him no time and I think we're gonna see that he easily you know I'll take liberty to say he I think he learned in essence what Paul was alluding to and what Christ will see in Mark 10 alludes to David Livingston understood that look what I'm giving up what I'm going into yes sacrifice heartache suffering sickness yes that's the reality of the cause but when you think of the cause itself I cannot say that the cause is a sacrifice the cause is a calling And if we get stuck looking at our walk towards Christ and our labor in Christ and our, and our servitude of Christ, if we look at that as, oh, this is such a sacrifice, I'm telling you, you're going to miss the joy of the Lord because you're going to be more focused on the sacrifice than the opportunity before you. This is what Paul understood. This is what Paul's pleading to us about. I count all things but loss for the excellency, excuse me, excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Everything. I've done it all. Paul's had it all. He had means. He had wealth. He had education. He had a position in, in, the, in the leadership of, you know, of the Pharisees. Paul had it all. He says, I've come to realize it's worthless compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ of whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Look what Paul been through. Not by no means, it's not a true comparison, but I mean, you look at Christ compared to the sufferings he went, because most of Christ's sufferings, you gotta understand the creator become the creation, things we can't comprehend. But in the physical, look what Paul went through. Imprisonments and beatings and shipwrecks and snake bit and light compression that Christ went through. Paul says, no, no, that wasn't my cause. My cause wasn't just to endure suffering only. Suffering was the process of the cause that I was after, to answer the call of Christ in my life for his glory and the excellency of knowing him more. Paul's perspective is opposite of most believers today. What he gained in knowing Christ, not what he lost in worldly worth. This is where we get tripped up as believers. 
we 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 do and heartfelt we do we we want to know christ more we want a a more intimate walk with christ we we want these depths of riches the scriptures talking about they offer us but we get stuck in a battle we also want wealth of the world and so here's our measurement back to the end results the telos the end results of your death your supreme results of your endeavor will be to the level of commitment to it. Right, you know, Jesus tells us, you know, you, you can't be the you know, lovers of the world and of the word. You gotta love one or hate the other. Okay, so the more that we surrender and, and put in proper position what the world has to offer compared to our knowledge and the excellency of Jesus Christ, it's within there, that level of commitment not sacrifice well you mean the more i sacrifice for christ no it's not about our sacrifice let me jump way ahead of myself here there is only one measure of sacrifice involved scripturally and that's christ's sacrifice for us not our sacrifice to christ it's not what we do for christ it's what christ did for us so if we get into mindset i'm sacrificing for christ no 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 christ sacrificed for you our calling is, am I committed to that sacrifice? And then to what degree? Because the, to the degree I'm committed to it, then the degree of my supreme outcome of that endeavor. Again, Paul realized that Jesus' call required sacrifice, perseverance, commitment. But it was for a greater good. And that's required to see the glory and the realization of who and what Jesus is in our lives. It's not a test of our seriousness. It's a calling to our purpose. God does not make us persevere, endure, suffer. He doesn't make us go through all these things because he's sitting on his throne and says, I just want to see how much you really love me. That, that is so far from God's call, you know, purpose in our lives. No, You'll endure these things. I'll endure these things. Why? Because the more we strive, like Paul, like a David Livingston, the more we strive towards Christ's likeness for that intimacy, that knowledge, the excellency of knowing my Lord and Savior more intimate, yes, it'll come with a cost. But don't get misconstrued that you put the emphasis on what you're giving. It's what Christ gave. It's just our commitment to it. Anything that is obtained in the temporal has an associated cost. Greater the goal, greater the cost. Fair enough. What we sacrifice for things in the world. Again, if I want to ever see, experience, or dwell in the fullness of the joy and the hope and the peace that the Bible shows me and has for me, I'll have to likewise walk in the shadow of those who suffered for the sake of the gospel before me. Variable past, maybe so. We don't. We all don't have the same path. Variable past, but we, it does call us all to the same commitment. Any one of us who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples, is what we're told in Luke fourteen thirty-three. I'll just be, you know, honest with you. These verses, you know, I don't know what Brother Brad would say to this. When you're putting together a message and the Holy Spirit brings out verses that, that support and contact, and you read verses like this, myself, I'm like, oh, 
Because it, if taken out of context, that's so weighty and so burdensome that people don't, uh, I'm not talking now, same thing. You're, you think you, you get focused on that verse. But yet, there's meat to it. There's substance. Christ is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to forsake your mother, your father, your brothers, your sister. You can have no one else before me. Well, that's a, that's a problem with commitment. I, I, I can't hate anybody. <laughs> that's contradiction to Scripture. God's not telling you to hate them. God's saying your commitment can't be more to your father, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters, and whatever else you put up there than him, if you're going to be his disciple. Well, thank goodness I'm not called to be a disciple. Well, probably so, but do you not have a desire to have a greater excellency and knowledge and, and intimacy with Christ? Well, yeah, I want that. <laughs> it's the same thing. It still takes a commitment to a purpose greater than what the world offers. Sacrifice for great gain. Yes, there's pain in the process, but the promise is more powerful and greater than the cost endured. Let's look at Mark chapter 10. Jesus deals with this with the disciples and, and uh, talking to Peter through the process and, and points this out. And uh, Peter's response, you know, on behalf of the disciples, brings something to the surface that that sometimes we, we, we miss the point here. And he said, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Now what's interesting in the context of this chapter, this is when the rich young man had just come to Jesus and says, Hey, Master, you know, teacher, man, I, I want to follow you. Jesus says, Great, then have you kept the commandments? I, I kept them all. I'm ready to go. He says, ah, okay, then great, let's go. You committed, I'm all in, Jesus. Well, good. Well, we can't have any distractions. We can't be stumbling over anything. If you're all in, you want to be a part of this, you want to quit on being on the outside looking in, you want to immerse yourself in this call, then go sell everything you have. Let's get going. He walks away. That one statement by Jesus capped his commitment to the cause. So he was really more committed to his cause than his Savior's cause. He acknowledged he was a Savior, could have been his Savior. He turns from it and walks away because he capped his commitment. And that's the last we hear about him. So Jesus uses that time to turn to the disciples and question them. And that's when Peter says, oh, no, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. In a sense, the disciples did. They did walk away from everything that the rich young man couldn't do. So while, yes, we're not called to be disciples, Christ isn't going to show up and say, Sonny, I just don't even say bye to, you know, your wife, your father, your mother, your bitch, just come on. I say it won't happen today because Christ probably wouldn't end up with any disciples today. But what Christ will do, he will have and does have a call for you. He has a purpose for you greater than this world around you. It's for his kingdom and it's for his glory. 
And the more we walk in that, the more we commit ourselves to that, then the greater depth of excellency, knowledge, and intimacy that Paul describes we have with our Lord. In this passage here, meaning there's nothing we can obtain, possess, hoard, or bask in that will compare to the joy we discover in Jesus. I was saying it to myself this way during the week. Todd, you speak of what you've left behind to follow me. No, Todd. What you have left behind is nothing compared to what you have gained in following me. Don't you see, Todd? That if you think of Christian obedience in terms of loss or cost rather than gain, you miss my purpose for you. That's the way I took this message this week. I can give you a list of things. I can get up here and cry pity party and, and you know, being a pastor and the sacrifices and disrupt our dinners together and put the family on hold and and I, I can just cry up here all day about the sacrifice I make to be a pastor that Brother Brad did for 44 years. That is so far off target, it's sad. No, Todd, it's not what you're sacrificing for me or have sacrificed. It's what you've gained in doing so. And studying this this week, it was so humbling to me. I was like, wow. Because then on the other side, when I get through with all my pity party ledger, then I can start writing on the other side and see the glory of God that's come about through my ministry. And not because of me, but because of that perseverance and that commitment and that sacrifice in enduring in Christ. That Christ says, oh, man, we can do great things now. And what did I get from it? Greater knowledge of seeing how God works. Greater joy. Greater hope. Greater peace. And I can tell you this morning an intimacy that I've never had before with my Savior. The gain is always greater than the cost. But how much are, do we really want to gain? What's it worth to us? I want more of Jesus. How much do we want more of Jesus? Look with me in Isaiah chapter 1. They dealt with this in even the Old Testament. God dealing with his children. And it's talking about the, you know, the vain uh, oblation of the sacrifices they were trying to make to God in their works and their efforts. And uh, Isaiah, Lord speaks to them through Isaiah here in chapter 1, verse 11. He says, to what purpose is the multitude of your what? Sacrifices unto me. It's God talking. I am full of burnt offerings and of rams and of fat uh, of the bed, you know, of the feed beast. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of the lambs or of the goats. What, wait a second. What's that, Mac? See, what they brought to God, they only brought sacrifice. We're, we're sacrificing to you, God. And what they're saying is, look what we're doing for you, God. God, look what we're offering you. Look, God, I, I, I showed up at church. That's got to get a few prayers answered. God, I, I signed up for one of the ministries. I should get a few more messages, you know, 
prayers answered. No, we don't approach Christ on what we're giving him as a means to the purpose. No, we give to God because we're given to a cause greater than ourselves. Religious ritualism without righteousness is sickening to the Lord. Pull this from Brother Brad's reference work. It's a movie we've all seen. It's a great statement. If you remember the movie The Shack, William Young made this note within it. It says that there are a lot of smart people who are able to say a lot of right things because they've been told what the right answers are. But that does not mean that they know God. Oh, it's so easy to get caught up in ritualism. It's even easier to get caught up in religion. You sit underneath any teaching pastor long enough, Bible studies long enough, you will catch enough religious vernacular to walk around and talk and sound religious. That's not hard to do. You can listen to preachers on radio if you just want head knowledge. You can memorize all the scriptures you want to memorize. That doesn't mean that you know God. It doesn't mean that you, like Paul, can say, hey, I've experienced an excellency and a knowledge in my Lord and Savior that nothing compares. See, Paul experienced that because Paul gave up everything he had. This message isn't about going and you know, cashing in your 401k and quitting your job and going to the mission field. No, this message is about our intimacy with Christ. And if we truly long for joy and hope and peace that God has for us, that's only going to be achieved by our level, our level of commitment to Christ, not just our greater sacrifice that's like tit for tat. Well, if I do this and God gives me that, no, no. God says, you just be committed to the cause, and you'll gain more knowledge and intimacy and joy and hope that otherwise you never would achieve. The Father's looking for relationships. He's looking for believers that will invest who are looking for eternal rewards, not temporal gains. As a believer, I must quit playing church and start following the cause Jesus has called me to if I want to see and experience all that God has for me. I ask myself this question quite often. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen for you. This is kind of like my personal measuring stick, my spiritual mirror that I catch myself so many times. Are there things I'm living for that was worth Christ dying for? Are there things I'm living for that was worth Christ dying for? And when I answer those honestly in my spirit, and I say, no, that's not what Christ died for, and I catch myself putting too much emphasis or too much commitment towards it, well, the side effect is that then I deplete my joy, my hope, and my peace in the Lord because this starts garnering my attention. If I could just do that, man, I'd just, I'd just feel so good if I could get that done. You probably will. Kind of what we talked about in Sunday school. Wayne did a great job, as always. You probably will feel good for a season. 
or a moment of happiness that came because you accomplished something that you put this commitment in. The end result makes you feel good for a season. But see, that doesn't compare to the excellency and the knowledge and the intimacy we can have with Christ. Are there things I'm living for that was worth Christ dying for? Back to David Livingston, I've never made a sacrifice who I think he very easily could have drawn it from Paul's writings and ultimately from the scriptures. But there's also another missionary named Hudson Taylor. You probably have heard of Hudson Taylor more so than David Livingston. He likewise, in his book, and his writings, uh, made a statement, the same thing. I've never made a sacrifice for Christ. Sacrifice is no sacrifice. There's no such word to the Christian. Rather, it's I counted all joy. I sacrificed for Christ. No, I counted all joy to get to do what God's called me to do. So what's it worth? What's our faith worth? What's, what's our commitment worth? It will determine our experience and what we do experience in that knowledge of Christ. We all have causes. <laughs> causes are, are, are limitless in the, in the world. Many of them are good. There are going to be Christian causes and, and missionary work. We support Amy for Africa, and we, uh, we support uh, Amber Bader. You know, there are great causes for good and for God. So while we're not limited by causes, the difference is the joy that we're seeking through those causes. Are they temporal or are they eternal? What are we seeking after? I'll close with this. David Livingston said, on in his letter, if you have men who will only come if they hear or if they see that the road is clear, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's a road or not. I'm going to challenge you with this. I'm going to ask you to leave with this and pray over this and maybe ask yourself, are there things I'm living for that was worth Christ dying for? But when it comes to worth and our commitment, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by the king of kings be considered a sacrifice? If a commission by an earthly king is considered a, an honor, how can a commission by the king of kings be considered a sacrifice? In most cases, when we say sacrifice, we're giving something up that we don't want to give up. It's parenting. There's an endless amount of sacrifices as parents. And they're burdensome and they're difficult. And they're hard. But we can't let that be the way we approach Christ because it will hinder our relationship with Christ. We need to get past the sacrifice and see the honor and the glory and the opportunity that's in it. There's a sign outside our doors there. I think I took the time to put it up. I know within the first few weeks we're here. It says, does anybody know what it says up there? What sign? <laughs> yeah, 
up there on the board, we got those little metal letters that says, Welcome to the mission field. Those aren't up there just to be catchy. What an honor. Not a sacrifice. What an honor to walk out those doors into his greater cause. That's an honor. It's an honor that we know and we understand the excellency of Jesus Christ. We understand that he is our Lord and Savior. We understand that we got the promise of eternal life with us. But do we see the honor in the cause with that knowledge? And are we willing, and how much are we willing to sacrifice and commit ourselves to in order for it to be done? Knowing that our perseverance, sacrifice, commitment, and hardships are not a sacrifice, it's a call to his greater sacrifice. And through it, we'll find joy to our gain. We'll find peace to our gain. We'll find hope to our gain. And we'll find, like Paul, excellency, intimacy, through it all. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Consistency has a lot to do with our commitment. You know, it's easy for believers to fall in and out of love with Christ in the sense of they get this abundance of, of spiritual energy, of hope. Or maybe God works in a way in their lives. They see his glory come about, and it energizes them and excites them. And then it's like, man, you know, you, you charge hell with a squirt gun. You're all in. You're committed. This is great. And then maybe the, that wears off. The blessing passes. And then you get into the, the consistency it's needed, then it falls off. You know, we don't want to be a, a roller, coaster, you know, roller coaster Christian, just making that up. We don't want to live in the peaks and the valleys. We want to live in consistent commitment to God's purpose, to God's cause. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be ye steadfast. That word steadfast in the, in the Greek is the word consistent. You, you get the word consistency from it. Be ye consistent in the Lord, abounding in his work. That the result will never be in vain. What that promises us is what Paul's talking about that excellency in Christ, the knowledge in Christ. Be consistently committed to the cause of Christ. Don't get blinded by your sacrifice to him. He's the only one that sacrificed. We're called to be committed. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this truth. Father, we, we just ask that we can just take this to heart. Maybe use that measuring stick. Is there anything I'm living for that was worth Christ dying for? If it's not, we need to keep it in its proper perspective. We've got to make sure we stay focused on the eternal perspective. Because what you died for wasn't for our temporal gain. is for our eternal gain. Life comes and goes. But... 
we've got to maintain the perspective. We get the right perspective, we'll understand the worth of our faith. And then we'll get a better understanding and a desire to commit to that. And from that is where the gain comes. We'll find that joy, that peace, that hope, that knowledge, that intimacy with you. As the music plays, as the Lord leads you. Folks up here be happy to pray with you. If you're here today, the greatest commitment we can make to Christ is our commitment to the gospel. That Christ was willing to step out of eternity past, step into the temporal, for the creator to become the creation. And that's where the sacrifice is. We're committed to accept that promise, that gift of eternal life through Christ and on the cross. Don't leave here today. We've got men and women taking you to side rooms, share that with you privately. That's the ultimate commitment we're called to. Excellent. Excellent. Brother Adam, uh, this is uh, Leo Retrovato's grandson, 
By the way, you haven't got a greater cheerleader in heaven than your grandfather for you. You just, you, you he is so proud of you, uh, you have no idea. Now, you, you, you think about this. If, if you're proud of somebody because it just, it wells up in you, you're, you're just grateful for them and you're proud of them, think about how proud God is. You're not God when you feel proud about somebody. Um, you know, Leo's not God. He's in the presence of God. And if Leo feels that way about you, can you imagine how God feels about you? It doesn't even compare. You know, I, it, to make this short, you, know, you were talking about uh, Livingston, who taught at Cambridge. One of our kids went to Cambridge. And uh, all these guys that didn't think it was a sacrifice on their part, C.S. Lewis's, Spurgeon's, I mean, I can go on and on. Most of them come from England. Today, England is nothing. England is England is agnostic and atheist at best, right now. And America is going the same way. The message that Brother Todd preached this morning is: look at yourself individually. Is it a sacrifice to do what you do for Christ? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a sacrifice to give him the first moments of the morning. Shouldn't be a sacrifice to give him the first day of the week, Sunday. Shouldn't be a sacrifice to give him the first 10% of what you make. It shouldn't be a sacrifice. It's a privilege. Anyway, I'm not preaching on top of your preaching. That was great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to hear such good truth. Thank you most of all for sending somebody our way to give us the gospel. I think of Frank Owens, who won me to Christ 49 years ago. Lord, I'm still very grateful for that man who you sent my way. May others be grateful for us because you send us to help them in their way. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.